Hello, my beautiful cozy babes, and welcome back to another episode. I am your host, Chloe Taylor, and this week we're going to be talking about processing your emotions. I don't know what I've titled the episode because I guarantee you if I just decide to title it, how to process emotions, ain't none of y'all going to click on it. Um, that's just because like nobody wants to hear the negativity, but I promise you this episode will single handedly. If you actually put the things that I talk about into motion, into your life, it will improve your life. I'm going to give you examples on that. I'm going to tell you exactly what you need to do. It's much easier than you think and give you tips on what to do. If you're somebody that just like doesn't cry or feels like you can't do that. Okay. I've got something in here for everybody. But before we get into that, y'all know me, I want to play a little catch up as usual. And I got to tell y'all just, just, just one little gripe. Okay. I've got one little gripe and I love hearing from y'all, especially those of you that listen on Spotify, you have the opportunity to write into the podcast and like, tell me what you thought of the episode. Most of y'all wonderful, amazing. The girls, the gays, the theys that get it, get it. But there are some of you that just say the meanest shits. Like, first of all, I'm sensitive and I read everything that you say. Okay. Like even on my YouTube channel, even on my Instagram, I might not respond to every single little comment that's made towards me, but I promise you, I read it all. I see every little comment that people think is just going to fly under the radar, especially it's the people that talk about me in third person. Like I'm not there that make me laugh the most. Cause I'm like, dude, did you really think I wasn't going to see that? And I know that the internet, it's been around a while, but I feel like something that we need to talk about more, and maybe I can make a whole episode on this in the future is like, I understand the, anan- anan- oh, I can't even say the word. It's like anan- anonymity on the internet. We actually know, like scientifically, we know that people feel more comfortable being their authentic self, saying things that they wouldn't say to somebody face to face, because without facial expressions and with like getting the micro expressions that come from hurting somebody else's feelings, we're just able to say the rudest shit. And I think to some degree, all of us can be guilty of it. There have been time periods in my life where I have not always been the best. You know, I've, I call myself a dinosaur online. I've been here since honestly, 2010, because my family had dial up. So it wasn't until I moved out for college that I actually had the real internet experience, I feel like. But some of the shit y'all say is mean. Okay, I know I can't stop those comments from coming. I know, like, and I very rarely address any of it. Truly, even if you go to my YouTube channel, it is like a cold day in hell that I respond to somebody's bullshit. But especially the ones where people say things like, you're so ridiculous and stupid. You spend the whole episode talking about yourself. Like that, like, first of all, maybe I did spend half the episode talking about myself, but at the same time, like, did the comment about me being stupid or an idiot really have to fall in there? It's okay. If you don't want to hear that in the podcast, there is a respectful way to, to ask that of me. But on the flip side of that, I deal with so, there are so many people that listen to this podcast, which I'm so grateful for genuinely, but I'm never going to be able to please everybody. And something I feel like I just have needed to get off my chest for a while, as I've seen more and more interaction coming with the podcast is that I'm never, I'm not here to fit into your box of what you think I should be. And I want you to take this information. And this isn't me trying to just like ridicule every person that said some mean shit to me. 
I want you to actually take this and put it into your own life. You are not here to be fit into a box of what somebody else thinks you should be for them. Yes, I try to provide value. Yes, I try to bring the vibes. But at the end of the day, this project, the podcast, it is not my full-time job. It is not something that pays the bills. It is not something like this is well and truly a side project that is meant to be for fun for me. I come here to have a good time. And many of you, again, like the mass majority of you are so kind, so nice, so loving, so genuine in your approach. And I appreciate it. I'm not even like against constructive criticism. I think constructive criticism is so valuable. It is something in my career that I require and I love hearing it, but it's the people that are just outright mean about the things that they say or like, Oh my gosh, recently, I swear this last thing. And then we're going to move on. But somebody said something to me in one of my comments, it was like the video or not the video, the episode where I talked about helping your man, if you have a man step into his masculinity, somebody was like, you or it was like, you know, better than this. Like, first of all, you don't know me. You literally don't know me. You get the podcasts that I put out, the YouTube videos I put out and the small fraction of my life that I choose to share on social media. And let me tell you from being here, as long as I have, I have gotten significantly more private about the things that I will and won't share online. There is so much vastness to my life that you know nothing about. So for somebody to be able to come up into my comments and say that, you know, you're better than this. That was the comment. Like they said some other stuff, but then they said, you're better than this. It just, again, maybe you would say that to your friend, but also if you don't have my phone number and I, this was like something that Tom Holland, I think said this, and I thought it was so good. If you don't have my phone number, you don't know me well enough to have a problem with me truly. And that should go for anyone in your life. Any of my entrepreneurial babes out there, if you're getting some hate, nobody knows you. If they don't have your phone number, they don't know you well enough to have a problem with you. Truly. They don't know the ins and outs of your life. They don't know what it looks like. They don't know what happened. And that's just something that I feel like we need to remember. But my point to bringing all of this up, because y'all know I don't normally address things like this, is as we have grown, I understand it's almost like a rite of passage. I'm going to receive more people that are not happy with the content that I make. That's valid. And again, constructive criticism, I'm always available for that. But if we're meant to have like a cute little community, like I want to keep it, I, I need you to do your best to speak to me and anybody that you come across in this community like they're your dear friend. Like, I'm not trying to elicit parasocial relationships here, but that's, I'm just going to be honest and authentic. I'm sensitive. I read the things that you say. And sometimes the things that you say, you direct them in a really mean way and it hurts. So that's all I want to say on that. I'm sensitive. Talk to me like you would talk to a dear friend. Know that I see everything that comes through there. And I'm not going to bring this up again because it also makes me really uncomfortable because I think that I am from the internet age that most of us are told to just like grin and bear it and move forward. And like, you don't ever let them see you sweat. But at the end of the day, I'm still a person. I'm still a person. I'm still a human. I still crave connection just as much as anybody else does. And comments from other people, whether they are super close to me or they're not, like they still hurt my feelings. So just keep that in mind as we move forward. That's all I wanted to say. And now let's do a little bit of catch up and then we're going to get right into processing your emotions, which I think is 
such a valuable topic for the thing I just talked about. Clearly, I have had to do a lot of processing around that and whether I was going to say something or just continue to let things fester. So catching up. It's fall, y'all. I know. We keep talking about this. Like the last two episodes, all we've done is talk about fall. <laughs> it's because when autumn comes around, it's my whole personality. But, and I know for some of y'all, it is spring. And genuinely, I think I would like to take this moment to apologize for anybody that it is spring for, because not that that's a bad thing. You're fabulous. Your weather is what it is. But I feel bad because I feel like you always miss me. We're always doing transitions at the opposite time of each other. But the cool thing is, is eventually you'll also be able to listen to episodes that happen in the springtime, like later on, if you ever wanted to come back. And I also think a lot of the things I speak on can be applied to the season of spring because spring is still a transition. It's still considered a transition. So like autumn is the point between summer and winter where to me, summer, it's got that harsh heat. Winter's got the crazy snow. If you live in an area that has either of those to me, autumn is that transition and spring is also the transition between those. So I feel like we're still on a similar vibe, but I just got to set the vibes. So first of all, uh, y'all know that I gave up coffee for a minute. We've touched on it a lot. Uh, I'm fully back on the coffee wagon and I, I don't feel great about that in the sense that I recognize that it is better for me not to drink coffee all the time. But at the same time, I recognize that I was drinking like four cups a day and I'm down to a cup. And anytime I want more, it's always decaf. So I do feel like I made like really good progress. Uh, I do miss my matcha, but you know what? I, I didn't know that I needed, but it was like the best choice ever. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be the pumpkin coffee for me. Uh, I just picked up some pumpkin flavored coffee along with y'all. Let me put you on. Okay. Let me just put you on for a minute. Um, it's Califia brand. So if y'all have Califia, it's, I want to say it's like cinnamon apple crumble is what it's actually called. I I'll put it on my Instagram and I will highlight it. Okay. I'm going to put that on my tasks for today to create an Instagram highlight, like I'm going to start creating those on my Instagram. So at Chloe Taylor, you can also follow at the cozy babes club because I'll probably cross post. So just make sure you follow me if you want to like see pictures of these things. But um, I, th I want to say it's called cinnamon apple crumble. It is their cinnamon apple crumble, uh, coffee creamer. You could put it in matcha too, or even in tea. I feel like could work if it's just like a plain black green or like herbal tea of some kind, I would say like a black green or white tea would probably pair the best with it versus like you know, a bunch of crazy herbs, but I shouldn't say crazy herbs, but you know what I mean? Like something that has like a distinct flavor. I feel like you're either tea flavor or you've got like 10 different herbs that are giving it a flavor. Um, but this creamer, if y'all like the Starbucks, then the drink that came out this year, it's like a, it's a, I want to say it's like some kind of apple shaken espresso. Um, sorry, there's a loud car outside but it's something like that. This creamer tastes exactly like that. So if you just want to get it at home, this creamer, it literally tastes exactly like it. Like just brew yourself a normal cup of coffee, doop, doop, put a little bit of creamer in there. It's like you're at Starbucks. <laughs> so, um, and it's Califia brand. So it's also non-dairy if you're trying to avoid dairy, which like I, 
I have a lot of mixed feelings around dairy that we're not going to get into today, but I do feel like I like a lot of the non-dairy creamers more personally. So if you're trying to, like, I feel like it's a good option, very creamy, very sweet, uh, but not in like an aggressive way. And it tastes good. I like it. So just let me put you on with that. If you can find it, snag it. It's really good. Worth the time, worth the purchase. Delicious. Um, so I had some, uh, actually I didn't have any of that today. I had pumpkin coffee with some of the Califia barista blend pumpkin spice milk and a little bit of brown sugar today. And that was very good. But now I'm actually drinking a bloom. That's what it's called. It's like a little packet of probiotics and greens, kind of like an AG one. If you're familiar with AG one or the Organifi green powder, <clears throat> I feel like they're all on a similar thread, but the, the bloom one, if you're curious about trying it, it is good. The coconut one is the best flavor hands down. So if you're looking for a flavor, get the coconut one. Um, I will say, I feel like the Organifi one is a little more refreshing and I haven't tried AG one yet to give you an opinion. So, uh, AG one though, AG one, or maybe I did try it at one point and I've just forgotten. Y'all know me. I'm like a half crunchy auntie. I feel like I don't try to exist fully there, but I try to make, like, I like trying wellness products. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in here that I am drinking a bloom right now. Uh, and the coconut one, hands down, best one. But it's just like a probiotic drink, good for the guts. Um, I'm into it. So we're having a little bloom. I've got my fall candles lit. It's honestly a sunny day today, which not gonna lie to you, a little disappointing, but uh, y'all know me, whenever the sun's out, I always go out and try to like set my circadian rhythm in the morning, get a little sun, get a little sun action going. Uh, so I'm not mad at it, but I, I am definitely ready for, for some gloomy time. Uh, and on top of that, I'm going to save this for another podcast episode in the future, but I've been doing self-care Sunday, which self-care to me, it's like one part productivity, one part rest and relax or like quote unquote rot. <laughs> um, if y'all don't know about having a rot day again, I'm going to save that for another episode, but, uh, it's like half and half for me. I do like productive things like put a hair mask in and wash my bed sheets and do things that are like good maintenance tasks. But I will also spend some time tonight, like bundled up on my couch, watching TV. <gasps> y'all one more thing. And then we're going to get into the main part of the episode. I recently watched literally almost in one sitting. There was one episode that I had to watch the next day because I fell asleep, but Interview with the Vampire, the AMC TV show, not the movie with Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. That movie is also wonderful and a 10 out of 10 recommendation from me. But the show, I believe it's, if you have HBO Max right now until the end of October, you can watch the show. So like on Max, it's part of it. But uh, seven episodes long, if you liked Interview with the Vampire, which I read the book and watched the original movie, uh, which I love the original movie. I watch it every fall. The show, phenomenal. Definitely a different vibe than the movie or the book for sure. But I loved what they did with it. And <clears throat> there is confirmed a season two, but I think it comes out next year. So really into that. 10 out of 10, if you're looking for a new fall watch. I would not say it's cute. I would say it's a little intense. It's more of a drama. Uh, it's a little intense, but if you like the story of Interview with the Vampire, and also if you're looking for something 
gay, like LGBTQIA plus friendly. I always say gay, but uh, if you're looking for something that like is friendly, LGBTQIA plus friendly, highly recommend the main two characters, uh, Louis and Lestat are very much an item or kind of, sort of it's, I don't know. You'd have to watch it yourself, but, uh, into it, loved it. Can't wait till season two. I loved the way they portrayed Claudia as well. It was just very good. So those are the fall things that I feel like I'm into this week. After I record this episode, I'm going to go decorate my fireplace too, which you will be seeing on both Instagram. And if you're on my Patreon in the next vlog, you'll see some stuff on that. So if you want to know more about that, make sure you follow. And uh, let's go ahead and get into the meat of the episode, okay? So you're a hot girl and you have emotions, right? I, I, I don't, again, I don't even know what I'm calling the episode, but you're a cozy babe. You're a hot, cozy babe. You have emotions. And let me just like paint a picture for you. Okay. This could be you. This might not relate to you at all, but this relates to a past version of myself. And we're not here to enact shame. I don't want you to take this episode and like Remind yourself why you're so ashamed to be who you are, be why you are. There are tons of reasons why you might respond emotionally to yourself. And a lot of those probably have to do with big or little T trauma, to be honest. But this, in this episode, I want to just highlight and create some awareness for you. I want to help you to understand so that you can actually move on from things in your life and not constantly keep obsessing and going back to things that really hurt you and in turn make better decisions in your life. And I wouldn't even say make better decisions like yes, but also if you feel like you constantly spiral on the same emotional roller coaster, this episode's really going to help you. So you're a hot girl, you have emotions. And let me paint the picture. So let's say something upsetting happens. Okay. Your friend or your significant other upsets you and you get so upset, so upset. So you're, you're reeling on this, but you're not really allowing yourself to feel it fully. And instead you start to feel guilty for being upset. And you start to remind yourself now all the reasons why you're an ungrateful little shit and why you shouldn't feel this way about your friend or your significant other. You start listing all the good things you have in your life. You know, you're expressing gratitude. You're doing good things for yourself. Oh my gosh, look at you. Okay. Where, where, oh, but you know, they do these great things for me. They walk the dog. They get my coffee in the morning. They ask me how my day is at the end of the day. They help me fold the laundry on Sunday. Uh, you know, really I have a good life and it's okay. This is me. I get this. I fully understand this, this concept right here. And even knowing everything that I know, all the wisdom that I'm about to impart on you right now, even being fully aware, sometimes I still fall into that trap. Sometimes an emotion will arise and I will try to play it down or tell myself why it doesn't really matter or gratitude my way out of it or quote unquote spiritual bypass it. And the thing is, we humans, we are so motherfucking finicky. Okay. We are so motherfucking finicky that we will spend a lifetime trying to avoid the way that we actually feel when we could have just stopped taking three minutes out of our day, 
fully felt and processed the emotion and let it go. So this comes from Dr. Jill Bolt Taylor, I think is how you say their name. Um, I'm unsure about that middle name there. It's B-O-L-T-E, Bolte, Bolt, I'm not sure, but I think it's cute that their last name's Taylor because y'all know I'm Chloe Taylor uh, and it's spelled the same way. But they are a neuroscientist who wrote about their experiences with a stroke in their body. And they, they call it uh, my stroke of insight. But the thing is, what they realized throughout this study, this understanding, this learning is that the basic idea is that it takes 90 seconds to fully experience an emotion like anger, sadness, fear, joy, even joy you could put in there, to be honest. And if you allow yourself those 90 seconds to process as intensely as possible, like I'm talking, you feel like you're already crying about something, wail cry about it, make noise, let all of your orifices be dripping. Okay. Your eyes, your nose, your mouth, all of it. <laughs> Do the ugly cry for 90 seconds. Promise you're going to feel better afterwards. And I know so many of us, myself included, you'll try to, Oh, but I did my makeup. Like, I don't want to cry today. I'm not going to do that right now or get it together. Cry for what? Like, especially if you had parents that didn't allow your body to have that natural reaction, because that's all crying is. I need, I need us to know that too. In talking about this is that when you cry, I know we're talking a lot about like sadness and possibly even anger right now, but I feel like joy can make you cry too. And so can fear. We're going with crying as the example, because I do feel like a lot of us in today's world, we were raised by parents that didn't let themselves cry or emotionally like regulate properly. And so a lot of us have this understanding that crying is bad or we're weak and we shouldn't do it, that having an emotion is terrible or we shouldn't let this dark cloud take from us in some way. But the reality of the situation is when you don't let yourself have that 90 seconds of feeling, and sometimes it might take a little longer, but I would say ultimately, even in my own life, when I've tested this and I'll talk about more of this in a minute, my own experience, but even in my own life, it really doesn't take more than like a five minute period. And I'm not talking about like deep grief. Like I feel like, you know, a death in the family, something that is going to take more time to grieve. You might not just be able to get out of there in 90 seconds, but I'm talking about like your day to day upset. The thing is, if you don't allow yourself to close the stress cycle, and this concept comes from the book, uh, I'll link it down below. It's called like burnout, burnout, burnout. I can't remember the rest of the title. I'm really sorry. It's a great read. I have read it myself, but in this book, they talk, and I promise we're going to come back to this 90 seconds as well. But in this book, they talk about how, when we are experiencing a stressful situation, something that gets our emotions heightened, if you don't allow yourself to close the stress cycle appropriately, that stress is going to keep hemorrhaging out of you. It's like, literally, if there's something that you feel like is a pattern in your life that you keep coming back to, that you feel like you just can't get over it, et cetera, that's what happens when you don't allow yourself to properly close the stress cycle. When you spiritual bypass, when you try to positivity your way out of things, when you don't let yourself fully feel what you need to feel, you will consistently come back to it. 
And it is what actually can create a lot of prolonged stress in the body. And when we already know what prolonged stress does to us, okay, prolonged stress can lead to illness in the body. So it's vital that we let ourselves process. It is vital that you take, I always say, start with that 90 seconds. Sometimes it will take like, I'm going to say an upwards of like five minutes, but for the most part, a day-to-day stressor, a day-to-day emotional turmoil you're going to be able to process through it in 90 seconds. And once that's done, have you ever cried like a really intense cry? And then all of a sudden you just kind of know that you're done and you take a deep breath. Like there's children do this too. If you watch how children process emotions, we can actually take so much education from them because children do this. They will like cry and cry and cry. And if you try to tell them not to cry or you try to like silence that in them, some children will become fearful. If you grew up in a really abusive household, like I did, you know, my parents were firm believers. And if you want to cry, I'll give you something to cry about, which is disgusting. Never say that to your child. That shit gets me heated. Honestly, if I think about it too much, like what a terrible thing to say to a tiny human experiencing emotions. But like seriously, worst parent award, literally. And I would say I would spit that in my parents' faces. I am not scared. (laughs) And I probably have, to be honest. Um, Worst parent award. It's like the worst thing you can say to a tiny human that is upset about something. Because to them, it feels real, even if it doesn't feel real to you. But a lot of us have been raised by that, right? Raised by, you know, suppressed. Don't let anybody see that. You're making a scene, yada, yada. But... If you actually let a child, if you sit with them, if you sit with a child that is having big feelings and you just let, you just say, Hey, like, how are you feeling? You show up as the emotionally regulated adult. Hey, how are you feeling? They might start to get a little more activated. I don't want to talk about my feelings. Just let them have it. Let them have their big feelings. Let them have their big feelings. Let them cry. Let them scream. Know that you're still here emotionally, you know, regulated. You're here for them when they're, when they want to talk about it. Maybe you try to speak a little softer. And I promise you, eventually every child does this. I've seen it myself. There is this moment where they kind of take their last sniffle or they take their, There's kind of this like sigh that your body naturally gives. And I do this myself. When I let myself ugly cry about things, when I process these feelings, there is a moment where my body goes, and I just know that I'm done. And it's natural. It's not something that I have to force. I don't have to ask my body when it's done. It does that automatically. And like I said, if we watch children, they give us the best example of this because they do it so naturally because it's, it is built into us as humans, we have this mechanism naturally built in. So you let yourself feel for 90 seconds as much as you can. Don't try to positivity it away. Don't try to make excuses. Don't, you know, you give yourself those 90 seconds to feel the big feeling on whatever is coming up for you. Your body will naturally give you a cue when you're done. And I also want to give y'all some like extra stuff, especially if you're somebody that has never really let yourself cry or feel big feelings. And it's totally understandable. I want you to know that this, unfortunately for the human experience is not abnormal. Lots of people feel this way, like they can't. Um, And that comes down to so many factors, the kinds of caregivers you had, this can even come down to race. Like there is plenty of research that shows that people in the BIPOC community don't cry even more so because they weren't allowed to 
because there is such oppression. And so I want you to be like really gentle on yourself with this process. If you're somebody that like you were always taught that you just were not allowed to do that. It's normal to feel afraid of that. It's normal to feel afraid or like, oh no, if I start crying, I'm not going to be able to stop. If I, if I start, it's going to be this big thing and it's going to lead into multiple days of depression. No, it's not. No, it won't. No, it's not. And no, it won't. And even if that were the case, like, let's just walk that back for a second. Even if you started to cry, you started to let yourself feel fully upset and it spiraled into a few days. If it spiraled you out into feeling sad for a little while, what does that say that your body probably really needed from you? Like, the thing is, if you consistently shut this out, you will not be able to avoid it forever. What's going to happen is this is all going to come screaming out eventually. It might be two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. It's going to come screaming out. And you're not, you're going to be so burnt out, so tired. You're not going to be feeling good that all the times that you didn't stop to process your emotions will literally happen all at once. And I know this from my own personal experience because I have done this. I have done this exact thing. And what happened is it led me to feeling more burnt out than I've ever felt in my entire life. This has happened to me twice now. So I would say that I have pretty good authority on how this works because it's happened to me twice. And I am currently, and I haven't talked about this really, I don't think I've talked about it like lightly, maybe a couple of months ago, but I am currently going through burnout recovery right now. And I'll cover it more in the future, but when I feel like I feel better, but you will become so burnt out by life. This is, this is to me. And please know that I am not a specialist. I'm not a mental health professional. You need to remember that when you're listening to the things that I say, do not use my podcast. Like they are a replacement for that because I am not certified in anything except I do have a holistic nutrition certificate, but I'm not your holistic nutritionist. And that's what you got to remember. So the thing is this to me, is what leads to depression. This to me is what leads to having anxiety that is like uncontrollable. This to me is what leads to that feeling of burnt out. This is what leads to that purposeful in pur purposelessness where you don't feel like you have a purpose. This to me is that slippery slope. And it's because you're constantly stuffing down something that naturally needs to occur. And again, in the beginning, this is not going to be super easy if you're not used to this. But let's say you're the opposite. You are somebody that lets yourself cry a lot. Maybe you consider yourself to be a quote unquote cry baby. I call myself that a cancer, a cancer Mars and a cancer Venus. Ooh, Chile. When I get activated, she crying every time. But <laughs> within that, I have to remind myself that sometimes I will also cry and it's not productive. It's and not that we need to make every little thing productive, but sometimes I'll be crying and I'll just get so worked up that I don't even know why the original reason I was crying anymore. And I think that's also a valid reaction for some, but in order to kind of keep this processing something very specific, there are ways to a induce this. And there are also ways to kind of get down to the point and allow yourself because at the end of the day, what we're trying to do is not just make yourself hurt all the time. 
the point of doing this is so A, it doesn't accumulate and turn into something worse. And B, you're also trying to let yourself move on from things. Let yourself not hold on to things. I always think of when we have really intense emotions that we don't allow ourselves to deal with, it's literally like holding a hot coal and you just keep insisting on holding it and carrying it with you, even though it's burning you every so often because you think about it. And it doesn't, it doesn't just become numb after a while. You start to literally burn holes in yourself. So this to me is the process of putting the hot cold down and being like, you know what? We actually don't need to carry that anymore. We don't need to do that. So allow yourself to have these feelings. And I'm going to give you some tips, tricks on how to kind of induce this, how to kind of keep it to a point. We'll cover it in a moment. But first we need to hear a word from our sponsors. Okay, so how do we do this? How do we do this? What do we do? How do we do it? So to feel something in for that 90 second window, first of all, I think I said it before, but I'm going to say it again. When you feel this for 90 seconds, it's going to hurt. Like that is a given. It's going to hurt. It's like going and getting a shot at the doctor's office. Okay. You know, that shit's going to hurt, but you do it anyway. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. It's going to suck. There's nothing you can really do to make that not happen. That's the reality of the situation. It's going to hurt, but you need to let yourself feel it in all of its intensity for at least those 90 seconds. And I find that if you feel like you can't conjure up what it is, like maybe you've like, this happens to me all the time. I'm not even joking. Sometimes I can't pinpoint exactly what it is. And I'm just feeling like really anxious and really emotionally reactive. And I'm like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why do I feel like this? The things that have helped me the most tremendously to get it out and to figure out what it is so I can process. I hate to say it because I know some of y'all girlies are not going to want to hear this. Pull out the motherfucking journal, pull out the motherfucking journal. You need to pull out a journal and start writing some shit down because if you let yourself just have a brain dump of what's going on in your mind, you're going to hit on something. I promise. Uh, and this is like no filters, Something that I had to unlearn and this I'm bringing it up because I feel like this might be something you need to hear. Something I had to unlearn from my own mother was she used to tell me when it came to journals that like I was writing things so that after I die, there's a record. And so when I had that idea in my head, I would constantly filter the things that I wrote. I was never honest in my journals. I was never honest about how I felt, what I thought. And I would constantly not be truthful. I wouldn't be able to let myself get to the emotional core because I was always thinking, well, somebody someday is going to read this. And you need to delete that idea in your head because I don't think that it's wrong to want to keep a record for posterity. I think if you have a journal that you intend it to be read, you should keep one that you know, hey, this one's going to get read. And maybe I write an entry every year on my birthday. And this is the one journal that is for posterity. Okay. The rest of my journals, you better burn that shit with my body because those are coming with me. I have given my husband and any person that is close to me specific instruction on this, that there is like no journal that I own that's allowed to be read after I die. Like mostly because sometimes I've had to process some really heavy shit. And if I died tomorrow, do you think I want my mother reading my journals? No, those aren't for her. Do you think I want my family reading that shit? Do you think I want my friends reading that shit? Absolutely not. I feel like the only person I would trust to actually read my journals if he wanted to would be my spouse. Um, 
but everybody's been given very specific instructions that those go right to the burn pile. Like those are not for anybody else. Those were processing my deep feelings while I was living. Okay. So with this, you got to get it out of your head that you're writing this for future posterity. That is a way that we all thought in the 1900s and it was cute. Literally, we have the internet now. People have a recollection of your life if they look at your Instagram. Like, you don't need to keep a journal for people to get the highlight reel of your life anymore. Your journals are for you to emotionally process, okay? So just keep that in mind. I feel like that's something that maybe somebody out there needed to hear. They're not for anybody else. They're for you. So start journaling, brain dump everything you're feeling. And even if you feel like you're in a space where you think somebody would read that in your house, first of all, definitely make it your goal to get out of that house as soon as humanly possible, because that is a direct disrespect of your boundaries, sis. Second of all, if that is not feasible right now, get rid of it. After you do the brain dump and do the processing, tear that bitch up, burn it. Like, obviously safely. I don't want nobody writing to me telling me that you got your house on fire. But burn it. Uh, shred it up tiny, 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 tiny. And go like water it with the hose. Bury it in the garden. That's a really good way to actually get rid of stuff and let it be cleansed by the earth. But journal for you, not for somebody else. If that doesn't work, something that really helps me to kind of get the emotions moving uh, you might be surprised by this one is movement. And I don't mean like exercising. I don't exercise and start crying. It doesn't work like that for me personally, but you can basically put on like, I would say some kind of like soft movement. I don't, I wouldn't say like something that gets you like up and happy. Like this is not where I turn to pop music. Okay. And pop music is my fave, like bubblegum pop. That is my favorite genre of music. I would not listen to that for this. I would pick something like go on YouTube, look for some binaural beats, look for like drum circle music, look for something that is going to like let you move your body in a way that helps you to like catch a beat, but it doesn't really have words because you're going to be doing the deep thinking and the deep processing and just move your body. I'm a big proponent of like moving my hips around because I feel like women in particular, not every woman, I think it's men too, but women in particular, actually, actually, yes, I would say it's more women. Um, we store a lot of trauma in our like hip region. So, um, I have hip and knee dysplasia. I can't be bending my hips in all these crazy ways. Like the girlies tell us to, to release trauma. What I can do is sway them, move them, roll them to music. So that's what I'll do. And I shit you not almost Every time, if I can't figure out what the fuck's going on in my head, that will get the waterworks going. I'm like, oh, there it is. It's in my body. It needed to be moved. So try that out if you feel like you're having a hard time getting, getting to the point. And the last one I'm going to recommend, it's not my favorite option, but it's one as a last resort that I will result to. I will find a sad movie, a sad TV show or sad music, and I will use that. Uh... One of my favorite movies that induces that feeling in me of just like sad, probably going to be Moulin Rouge. Uh, Moulin Rouge really gets me in my feels, especially that ending. Not cute. Uh, also, ironically, weirdly, uh, Nights in Rodanthe. It's the one with Diane Keaton. Is that who it is? Is that Diane Keaton? No, it's not Diane Keaton. I don't know what that actress's name is, but Richard Gere, who I have loved since Pretty Woman. And like, he was like the, one of the first male specimens that I was like, oh my gosh, daddy, uh, Richard Gere, always a silver fox my entire life. Love that man. But it's Richard Gere and Diane Lane. That's her name. 
Richard Gere, Diane Lane. Oh, that movie gets me in my motherfucking feelings. But, you know, watching, listening to something sad. If you feel like you need to, like, that's not a bad way to do it. That for me is a last resort because I feel like sometimes, especially with music, I like feel what the person I feel like felt while they were making the music and it hurts. Uh, like music as somebody that's clairaudient, like really messes with me. So I have to be careful with that one. But those are ways that I feel like can help you kind of induce those intense feelings. If you don't know what's going on, but you can tell something's not right. And then when it comes up, you cry it out. Like I said, you let all your orifices on your face leak. Okay. You, you let it come out. If you feel like you need to actually like, I always find that I know I've had a good cry. If noises came out of my mouth, like I'm not here for a silent cry. I'm just not. If I'm trying to process some deep shit, I'm not going to be quiet about it. Where did we even learn to cry silently? Because what child have you ever looked at crying that just cries silently? None of us done learned how to cry like that. And I feel like the sound actually helps to move things out of the body. So if you feel like you're in a safe space with even a person that can hold that, or if you're on your own, I won't lie. I even carry my own deep rooted shame and I don't like to let other people hear me cry like that. I prefer to be home alone. That's just on me. My husband has heard me cry like that maybe twice in our entire marriage. And one of the times it was because like, I felt such like shame coming from family when they should have been celebrating me and like his family was celebrating us. So it like kind of had to do with both of us. And like, I let him hold me while I ugly cried about that. But, um, that's a story for another time. Like I don't typically ugly cry in front of someone else. It just doesn't feel comfortable for me. And that's something that I probably need to still process and work through. But like, it's something that I feel like for me is necessary to process. Now, I want to give you a little bit of an example of how this worked in my life very recently within like the last three months. Maybe it's been four months. Actually, it's been six months. Dang. It's been a long time since then. Huh. I hate that. <laughs> I hate it when I'm like, oh, I want to be intentional about my time this year. And then like I blink and it's been six months. I'm going to suss out how to stop letting that happen in my life and then teach you about it when I figure it out. But in any case, I want to give you a bit of an example of something that this works so well that when I have done it, it just, it, it transforms my life. It, it makes me more of an accepting person too. So in March of this year, I was talking to my mother. Many of y'all know I have a complicated relationship with her. Uh, I'm pretty open about that. I feel like she knows about that herself. We don't talk like we did when I was a kid. Um, y'all know I, I'm pretty candid about the whole experience and what that's been like being raised by a narcissist. And like, even now we do talk, we do have a relationship, but it will probably never be what it was when I was a kid for multiple, multiple, multiple reasons. But that's beside the point. Um, still love her, still want her to be a part of my life, still try to make the effort for that. But that being said, in March of this year, I had had a really hard conversation with her and it set me off. Like I was ready to cut her out of my life. I was ready to completely stop talking to her. I was ready to go no contact after this conversation. And Instead of doing that, which I also would have had the right to do, there's like people that go no contact with their parents 
y'all have to know that no child does that because they want to. No child does that because they just want to piss the parent off. No child does that just for no reason. Like every single time, and I will die on this hill, reincarnate, live on this hill and die again. Every child wants a relationship with their parent if they can have it safely. Every single child wants that. And if, if a child has cut a parent off, I will die on this hill. It is the parent's fault. The child has tried to come to them. They've tried to open conversation and dialogue about it. And it's like a last resort to keep themselves safe. And I've gone no contact with my mom in the past a couple of times. Like this is not new for us, but I was ready to actually tell her like, Hey, do not contact me. Do not come to my house. Do not like stand down. I don't want anything to do with you. Like I was, I was ready to, in the past we would go no contact, but I wouldn't really say anything. I would just stop reaching and I would stop accepting her calls. This time I was ready to full front, like, do not ever call me again. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. I'm fucking done. And instead of making that choice, which I do believe at this point in my life, I would have regretted. Um, and that's just for me. I'm not telling anybody that deals with this, that you would have regretted it again. I think it is a last ditch effort to protect yourself and your own peace and your right to have that. I think I would have regretted it. Um, especially because my mother is currently going through chemo. Um, I think I would have really regretted that choice and I'm glad that I was able to process my emotions instead. So what I did was I pulled out that fucking journal. You'll know I did it. <laughs> I pulled out my journal and I started writing and I wrote her probably seven renditions of the same letter. And I didn't do this every day. I did this over the course of like two and a half months. I, whenever I would get mad, I would go back to the letter and I would rewrite it. And I would go back to the letter and I would rewrite it and go back to the letter and I would rewrite it. And what, and it's like, frankly, it's none of her business what I wrote in this. Even if my mother should listen to this podcast episode, it's none of her goddamn business what this letter would have said at this point. Um, but it's none of her business. She will never see that letter. Um, again, writing in your journal is for you. It's not for other people to see. So, uh, I wrote so many renditions of this. There were multiple times where I had it like in a text draft ready to send it multiple times. And I don't know what happened over these two and a half months, but because I kept returning to it every time I got activated, every time the intense emotion came up, every time I got angry, I would return to it. I don't like, I think it was an overtime thing, but I don't care anymore. I don't care. Like I, I, I couldn't find a fuck if I had one, like, I just don't care. And I, I got to this point where I was like, you know what? I don't even need to say this to her. I don't need her to know these things. And if anything, the most valuable thing that came out of all of that was, and it was something I talked about on a recent podcast episode that a lot of you really appreciated was I used to really protect my mother's story. I would sit and make up all these excuses as to why she acts the way she does. Oh, she's older. It's her generation. It's da, 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 da. I wouldn't hold her accountable even on my own platform where she had done, done and said terrible things to me. And what this actually did when I constantly sat and rewrote and I reiterated my feelings and I processed the emotions was it gave me all of my power back. And I was like, oh, 
actually, I don't need her to know any of this. I don't need to explain any of this to her. I have already set the appropriate boundaries. I've already said what I need to say. And if she can't respect that, that's not my problem. I, I have the ability to hang up the receiver anytime I want to. And it, it basically took away any power that I felt like she had in my life of the way that I would speak about her. And I would say that like, that's a really powerful place to be as somebody that has come from a household that was not great <laughs> is when you feel like you have all the power and can talk about your story because it's your story and you don't let the people who inflicted that trauma co-op the story and say what it was. Because even if that's something else I feel like I need to put in here is like, let's say you're in a similar situation as me, even if you're processing your emotions with your parents both of your stories can also be true. Like both of my parents, in fact, can have their opinion on what it was like growing up and like raising me. And I can also have a story about that. Both of us can have, comp it's the same reason that you can grow up with multiple siblings and every single sibling has a different opinion about the same things that they witnessed because it hits every single person differently. And so like what could be traumatizing to one person isn't traumatizing to another person based on their own life experiences, conditioning, what went on, how close they were to the parent or guardian. There are so many facets that go into this that it like basically, it reminded me how powerful I am. It reminded me that my story is my story and I don't need to prove it to anyone. I don't need to explain it to anybody, especially somebody that's not going to listen anyways. And I just kind of got to this place of indifference where I was just like, it really doesn't make a difference to me if I send this letter or if I don't, I have processed through every feeling around it and I'm fine. Like genuinely, I couldn't even tell you what the argument was about anymore. I don't remember because I'm so over it. <laughs> I'm so over it. I don't even care. Like what, isn't there like a Taylor Swift song where she talks about that? She's like, it's indifference. Like indifference is like the most offensive. Um, gosh, I feel like I need to find the freaking song now. So the song is called, I forgot that you existed. It gives me the chills when I listen to it because I actually understand it now for myself, like from my own lens, but here's the like chorus. Okay. It says, I forgot that you existed and I thought that it would kill me, but it didn't. And it was so nice. So peaceful and quiet. I forgot that you existed. It isn't love. It isn't hate. It's just indifference. And like, that's the point that I got to with my mom, where in the past it was a crossover between, do I love my mom or do I hate my mom? Do I love her or do I hate her? And I got so good at processing the emotions around the relationship. It's just indifference now. It's just indifference. I am who I am. She is who she is. It is what it is. I don't need to control the narrative. I don't need to express my story. I am just, I'm good. Like, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good with this now. And I feel like when we actually work to process our emotions, that's the place that you can get to. The things that have hurt you, you're able to get to this place of indifference with them. You don't have to let them control the person that you will be, the person who you want to become. Like, they're so, and at the end of the day, that's really what I'm trying to do on this podcast, truthfully, is to get you to believe in yourself enough to take a chance or a risk on yourself. And that's how you get there. And processing your emotions is part of that puzzle. It's part of becoming the best you, the most authentic version of yourself is by doing the heavy lifting 
And this is heavy lifting, rest assured. So that is basically what I wanted to touch on today. Ways to kind of get into it, what you got to do. And I would also say like, when you decide to do this, okay, sometimes it can come on unexpectedly, but when you decide if you want to set some time aside to actually work on this stuff with yourself, I would encourage you to really take some time out for yourself afterwards. Like do something kind for yourself. Something I like to do and I have the privilege of doing is I will usually let myself buy myself something because my, well, I also believe that I'm so traumatized that like all of my, all of the love languages are my love languages. (laughs) I feel like I could kind of relate to all of them, but my biggest one for many years up until probably the last like three years was receiving gifts. That was like my biggest love language. And so something that I will do is I will usually feed into some kind of like childlike curiosity afterwards. Like if there was a Lego set that I really wanted, you know, I might pick that up for myself. If there was like a stuffed animal that I freaked out over at one of my local shops, I will let myself go down and buy it. Like usually it's something that indulges my child self, um, especially if I'm working on processing childhood stuff like that. Okay. Because the conversation that we'd had was very rooted in childhood stuff, but That's something like I will always take extra care of myself that day because it's necessary. Um, It's necessary to do like basically aftercare. After all that emotional labor, it's necessary to do aftercare with yourself and take care of yourself. So that is what I have for you for this episode. I feel like I shared a lot today, like maybe even overshared, but you know what? That's kind of what our podcast is, to be honest. I feel like I've come on this podcast so many times and like literally cried because I've just expressed a lot. But people always tell me that y'all like the realness of the episode. Y'all prefer it that way. You like how candid I am talking about this stuff because nobody else will talk about it. So in any case, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Please, if you're going to reply to the, if you're going to leave a review or reply to the podcast, please remember that we are all just people here trying to figure it out, walking each other home. Be nice to me. I'm sensitive. Um, And, or like at least make it constructive if you have some criticism And, um, if you would like to follow me around the web, be sure to check out my Instagram accounts. Like I said, I'm literally writing it on my list today. Uh, the day that this is going out, it will be for Sunday. I'm going to like sit down and I'm going to put some stuff out on my, uh, uh, on my Instagram. I'm going to like fix the highlights and stuff. So we're actually using it. And, um, let me know how you felt about the episode. Leave me a review if you feel up to it. And, um, all the links are down below. Um, also something I feel like I forgot to mention y'all is right now for autumn, my course, uh, the, uh, oh my gosh, both. Well, one of them is not on sale. She's my $18 one. She is a workbook with some audio guides that you can get. Um, it's called the authentic self. And then I also have, uh, authentically aligned, which is my four week course. It has lots of video segments four workbooks. I think it's over 20 video segments and it is 50% off right now for autumn. So, uh, 50% off, make sure you snag it links for everything down below. And, uh, also merchandise is coming. My sample is actually getting delivered tomorrow. So we're manifesting that it's going to be amazing. So I can launch this mother trucker, but, uh, in any case, I love you so much. I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your week. And I will talk to you again next Monday. Bye. Leaves turning yellow on back where we first met. 
It is raining, but all I can see is the sun.